Welcome to the Grief Cocoon podcast, where you'll hear open, honest, and thoughtful conversations about grief and loss, death and life. I'm Gabby, your host, and I'll be talking to different creatives about their experiences and how they've used their creativity to process and transform grief and loss, and how you can too. This podcast was recorded on the sacred and sovereign lands of the Bunwarung and Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. I'd like to offer my respects to elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to any First Nations people listening today. In this episode, I speak with my sister Mary, who is the youngest out of my three older sisters. She was actually my age when our mom got unwell and unexpectedly died after four months of cancer. And I thought it would be interesting to hear what it was like from her perspective. She had a thriving life in Sydney, and but after mom died, she was asked by my older sister to move down and to look after my dad and I. I was 20 at the time, and so her whole life changed I guess from that point onwards and while we lived together we had our ups and downs and we dealt with the grief in very different ways and so I really wanted to unpack that with her and get her perspective. Before we get into the episode I just wanted to add that it took a lot for my sister to agree to have this conversation with me and to have it recorded so I really hope you can appreciate the courage that it took and you might hear a few nerves in the beginning. Uh, Firstly, you know, like I think we all had different relationships with mom and so I was interested to know what your relationship like was with mum. Were you close with her? I like to think that I had a really good relationship with mum. Um, definitely felt unconditional love. Um, yeah, I think I did have a really good relationship with mum. When she was sick, though, I felt like I missed out on a lot because I was in Sydney and I just opened up my laser clinic, so I wasn't there during her sickness for the three or four months that she was sick. Probably hence why I felt guilty for many years after the fact, but yeah. Hmm. And did you talk it often? When she was sick or prior? Both prior. Well, when I was in Sydney, we'd speak probably about once a week hmm. or sometimes twice a week. And like, what was your life like in Sydney? Like, you, obviously you made the choice to leave um, Melbourne a while ago. Why did you make that move? Well, I had a partner at that time who lived in Sydney, so I thought better than um, having a lot of long-distance relationship going back and forth. Um, I'd give up my job here and fly to Sydney and try to make the relationship work. Um, probably after a couple of years, we broke up and, um, yeah, decided to open up a business after that. Hmm. And obviously, like, when um, when... Yeah, mum got unwell. You did come, yeah, while she was in palliative care, I think. Um, no, I did. I tried to visit her probably about three or four times while she was in palliative care. So I'm glad I had that opportunity. So, yeah. Did you did you feel like, um, because I felt like um, I didn't believe that mum would actually die. Like I thought. I was even 
I was in disbelief until the last day even. I thought a miracle will happen and she'd, she'd come back to health. So I definitely was in disbelief the whole time, even till the last day. Um, I think I only, only probably, yeah, I was in denial until the last breath, I'd say. Hmm. And what was the first thing that you felt when it actually happened? Well, I was shocked and disbelief. I was in disbelief and I was in shock. Because like I said, even before her last breath, I thought she'd come out of it. Hmm. I actually felt relief because I I knew that she was like uh, in pain and I felt like she was suffering. So I was relieved that she wasn't going to be suffering anymore. Yeah, I can say that. But I didn't, I've obviously realized like what was ahead of us, like or what was ahead of me in terms of um, living without her. But the good thing with mum also, she didn't show that she was suffering. Like she always hides her pain well. She's always been, she's always shown us that she was strong and happy and healthy. So even mm-hmm. during that time, she never showed that she was suffering, to be honest. But um, until I think one of her cousins told us, like, yeah, just let her not suffer anymore and um, mm. get her off of, was it life support? Get off life support and, um, yeah, and, and that she's suffering. But you couldn't tell that mum was suffering because she never voiced, voiced it to any of us that she mm. was unwell or suffering. That's mm. probably partly why we didn't believe that mm. she would actually, you know, that she was that unwell. Yeah, 100%. Like the only time, yeah. physically, physically you can see that she was unwell because she was losing weight rapidly. And I guess that um, she couldn't do things for herself. But, um, yeah, she never never complained or mm. never showed um, or verbally said that she was actually not feeling well. Mm. So when um, it actually, I guess after it happened, uh, so it was at the time it was just me and dad living with mom, you know, apart from visitors that we had. And um, after it happened, our older sister, Rima, asked you to move from Sydney to Melbourne to, I guess, look after us. Um, Even though I guess I was 20 at the time, but... I was always seen as the baby, so definitely. <laughs> maybe she didn't think I could manage. Um, and I've always wanted to like find out from you what that was like because I guess I know that like you had a whole life in Sydney, you had a business and you were, I think, enjoying that, um, having your own laser business. And so, yeah, how did it, how did you feel about that? request from our sister well when I was asked I felt I didn't have a choice so I just felt as a as a daughter and a sister I was obligated to come back mm. so I didn't think twice about it um just felt it was like my duty to come back and look after you guys um I was saddened because I actually did enjoy my life in Sydney um I loved what I created and um but I just felt like it wasn't a choice. It's something too also that mum would want me to do. So I felt like I, I was obligated and I I couldn't not mm. say yes. Mm. And, you know, I just realised recently that you would have been like 35, which is mm. the age I'm about to turn. <clears throat> oh, wow. And I think 
it's uh, so young. Like I think imagine <laughs> me like living somewhere else and then being asked to come back and look after my younger sister and dad. Well, you feel it's young age. now because you're at that age because even now I'm 49. I used to think when in, in my 20s, 49 was really old. <laughs> so <laughs> so we were young <laughs> at 49. Um, at 35, yeah, I felt really young to be honest. I was probably at my peak. Yeah. I was, yeah. So I just opened up my first business ever, um, created nice friendships. So, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it was, it feels pretty young, like a big responsibility for someone. Not that you couldn't do it, but it was, it's just like you're starting. Like, I feel like I'm, you know, sort of thriving in, in my life now. And I thought, wow, it would have, for that to stop completely and then to, well, I've never had to previously to look. I never had to previously had to look after anyone. Do you know what I mean? It was always mm. I was not shouldn't say selfish, but it's always about me. But I guess that that was probably the first time where I felt like I need to put someone before me. Mm. Like make sure Dad had his meals every day. Make sure I cleaned his bathroom. Make sure he was okay. So, and you guys were fed. So that's probably the first time I had to look after someone. So that was yeah. a bit different from what I was used to. Yeah, and unfortunately, like, I guess for us, Dad was used to having everything done for him. Oh, honey, he didn't have a ball of egg or do his bed. <laughs> so, so mum's, mum, yeah, they had the old-fashioned kind of relationship mm. where the woman does the domestic duties and he was the provider. Mum also definitely worked. Mm. But, yeah, my dad was old school, so they didn't have to clean up or do anything yeah. for himself so yeah that was a bit hard so I guess mm. did you ever feel like there was um, grief around losing the life that you had in oh, Sydney definitely I guess it took me a while to adapt and probably as you know when I came back I started drinking so that was my um how can I say coping. my coping yeah mechanisms like go to the drink and have a few drinks make myself feel better, numb, numb the actual emotions. So I actually turned to drinking for a while mm. until um, I got used to probably living the life that I was living at that time and also coping with grief. So it was like grieving, um, yeah, yeah, two things at once, grieving mum and also grieving the life, the single life that I had because mm. I'd say like coming back home is more like more so looking after dad. Yeah. And how do you feel about it now, mm. now that it's been um, 15 years? Yes. Or um, I'm glad I did it. I mean, it makes it made me feel good. So it's more so, I think, making myself feel better about it. Um, don't think that my dad really appreciated it, <laughs> even till now. He just yeah. probably thinks um, it was it wasn't anything major that I did, hmm. but for me, it was huge at the time. Hmm. So I think that he's got that probably old school mentality, and he doesn't see um, how huge it was. Um, I feel good because now I would never want to leave Melbourne because I've got that closeness with you guys and my nephew and I actually enjoy family time. So I would never probably leave Melbourne because I actually enjoy our bond that we have at the moment. But, mm. yeah, it's just hard. I think also Dad not appreciating it. Doesn't <laughs> help. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, I... Do, even though I, I think at the time I was probably a bit like resentful because I was like oh mm. you know I've lost mom and then I felt like your approach was like you know trying to hype like control everything and and maybe you were anxious about it like having to 
to cook and everything. So it was like having someone come in and then suddenly I had I was told what to do. Oh, really? Okay, you didn't yeah. mention that previously. Yeah. No, but I, I, I do really appreciate, like I, I realise now how big of a sacrifice it was. And, yeah, especially now that I've realised, like, I, you were my age well, at yeah. the time. Well, I was actually even hard on myself back then because I I remember our mum's cousin go, used to say to me, you don't have to cook every day, but I felt mm-hmm. obligated also for Dad not to eat a, a meal from the day before. So I felt obligated to be a certain standard. Mm-hmm. I'd cook every day even though I know I, sh- I didn't have to and Dad was simple to have a sandwich, but I felt obligated. I want him to feel like... Not replacing mother, of course, no one can replace our mum, but I want the standards to be pretty high. Do you know I, mean? I don't want dad to feel like he's missing out on having cooked meals every day. So I felt like um, I was hard on myself, like I wouldn't go out unless I cooked a meal, even though I had like a friend waiting for me outside. I'd make sure dad was fed and then leave. Mm. I think it's like, yeah, I didn't want him to feel like he was lacking after mum passed away. Yeah. I think I can see that you were, like, you were a bit of a perfectionist mm. in everything, in cleaning and yes. cooking. Yes, yes. And that came across as, like, maybe you were a bit uptight. Yeah, but also I just didn't, like I said, it all came down to I didn't want my dad mm. to feel like he was lacking. I know mm. mum had standards. Mm. So I didn't want to feel, I don't want him to feel like, okay, after mum passed away, his bedroom's got, got dirty or messy mm. or... Um, he doesn't get a cooked meal every day like mum used to cook for him. So I just didn't want him to Mm. ever feel like he was lacking after mum passed away. Yeah. So I'm just going to switch to um, talking about dreams because you have a lot of dreams about (laughs) mum. Definitely. (laughs) The most, the most out of all of us. Uh, So I was wondering, like, do you have a favourite? And if not... Why do you think that you have a lot of dreams about mum? Well, at one stage I was having them weekly. I probably do have them probably three or four or five times a month. Like I have them so often there to the point where I used to write down mum's dreams, but it came to a point where I was writing down dreams two to three times a week. So I have a lot of dreams compared to you guys, Um, even till now. I think I had one a few days ago. But, um, yeah, she comes to my dreams a lot, and I think... Well, there, I, I don't know, there could be, the reason why I think is because when mum was in palliative care on a deathbed, it was really weird. I don't know why I actually said this to her, but I said to mum, if you ever do pass away, can you please give me signs that you're around? Mm. And she actually looked at me, she goes, of course I will. And um, I just think maybe those signs that she's given me is via, via my dreams. Do you have any other symbols that you associate with mum like for me when I see butterflies I yeah, yeah you guys are like that apparently when you guys see butterflies it reminds you of mum I have a fear of butterflies that's why that's why I can't relate to that at all um do I have anything that um probably not sometimes when I see pearls I do because I know mum used to like pearls um not really I've got a bracelet mm. of hers which um I want to start wearing but um, no, I just. But also, I think all I wanted to say. I think she does definitely come into my dreams the most because I think maybe she knows that I probably need her the most because I think my coping skills when it comes to situations aren't as strong as you guys. 
Do you know what I mean? So to see, like, say I'm going through something emotionally or mentally, mm. I just feel like I'm so sensitive and I do have breakdowns and I think mum knows that maybe, yeah, her coming into my dreams gives me the strength or might bring a bit of happiness. So I think that also my coping skills compared to you guys might not be as strong and that's probably why she comes into my dreams. But mm. I do mainly think it's because I asked her to give me signs and she stuck to her word. Hmm. And you also had like a supernatural experience. <gasps> you don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. I've had a couple. Hmm. I don't talk about it because it seems unrealistic, but um, for me it was real at the time. Um, well, one experience was mum just passed away and I moved back home. Um, I went upstairs and I was on my knees and praying and there was a picture of mum and dad on their wedding day and I just couldn't stop crying uncontrollably and I was telling mum like you know mum I need some help I'm not I'm not coping too well you know I was crying uncontrollably decided to have a shower and I was underwater and just suddenly I felt calm and ease and I stopped crying and I thought to myself this is really weird I feel at peace at the moment from controlling from crying uncontrollably to feeling peace. I just felt something came over me and I felt really good at the time. Um, got dressed and decided to come downstairs because we had a double story house. And as you know, I'm hyperactive, so mm. I don't do anything slow. <laughs> so every <laughs> going downstairs, I run yeah. or walk fast. And I remember putting my clothes on after the shower and going downstairs and literally every step took about three seconds to go down and I was thinking to myself this is really weird why can't I go any faster so going down the stairs it took me so long because I couldn't pick up the space uh, the pace sorry so I just felt like I don't know I was going so slow and I could not move any faster so I didn't know why I was I was going at a slow pace but I felt all I felt was at peace and ease at the time so that was just a weird experience knowing that I don't do anything slow and I just couldn't move any faster. So that happened both of those in the same day after each other? I think they did. To be honest, I I don't recall exactly if they were straight after each other, but I think they they were because I remember at that time feeling pace and I I had a shower and went to come downstairs. So, yeah, I think it was on the same day, Mm. if I'm not mistaken. But that was the weirdest experience, the stairs, because I even said to myself while halfway coming down, Man, why can't I? Why can't I move any faster? And I was questioning myself while I was trying to go downstairs, but I couldn't. So it was like in slow motion. Slow motion, a hundred percent slow motion. Hmm. And I could not move any faster. Wow. Oh, actually, I had another experience too. I had a dream of um, I had a dream. My mum was hugging me. I was sleeping. Yeah, I was sleeping on the couch though downstairs, and I had a dream of mum hugging me. So I wake up and I felt a lot of pressure on on my chest mm-hmm. as if someone was hugging me as soon as I wake up. So the first thing I did was ring up Sweden, Rima, and tell her, guess what, I just woke up and I felt like mum was hugging me, like literally feeling pressure on my chest. And I was I was in shock and I felt elevated and I felt euphoria and I had to ring up Rima straight away. So that was another experience. Mm. I've also had actually, I think it was the week of mum mom passing that mm. i had a dream that she came in and hugged me 
Oh, wow. And then I woke up, you know, and it was really comforting. Like, I felt like, yeah, I woke up, it, it felt like it was real. Real, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. wow. And my, all this happened too a short time after she passed. Isn't that mm. really weird? Like, I don't know if they say the hurt, a person's spirit stays around on. Yeah, I think in our, I guess, um, tradition it's like they believe it's for 40, 40 days. days yeah well all this all this happened within 40 days anyway like pretty mm. week to two weeks or three weeks after mum passing that is really something to think about actually. maybe we had it around the same time mm. Mm. so over the years we've um had our <laughs> challenges <laughs> we have um it's it's i guess our relationship i think you know, it's changed since we've lived together and since you've came down. Because I used to talk to you via phone only when mm. you were in Sydney. And we were very, I think we were very close. Like yeah. I was closest to you. Yeah. And, um, but then during the time, I guess a while after you came and we moved house as well. And um, we had a bit of a rough patch for a few years where I think we both were struggling to cope and we didn't know how to cope or we didn't have the tools and um, you, we chose our own ways of coping during that time. But um, I ended up writing a poem about that, <laughs> about that time, which I've shared with a lot of people and audiences. And I have not been able to read it to you, the person that it's, it's only, about. It's only been 14 years, don't exaggerate. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, because I, I don't think I was ready to hear it only because I know it was a negative time in our lives and I mm. probably I didn't want to feel the guilt because I was going through my own demons at that time. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't make you look bad in it. It was oh, just... Look it. Oh, look, <laughs> can I read it to you? Of course you can. It doesn't matter. It's the truth, obviously. No, but this is the first time um, I've read it to you because I've never read it directly to you so but I've always wanted to and and I guess you haven't been ready which is fine but um recently you did ask me to send it to you and I was really surprised because <laughs> I thought what's happened <laughs> um but yeah this is called um, sisters who lived on the moon my light had dimmed to non-existence like a frog in a jar leaping up bouncing back looking out but trapped in Dismembered from my body, estranged from my spirit, but so are you. Two hurt souls drowning in the ocean, trying to breathe underwater, forgetting how to swim to the surface, moving around each other but never to each other. Our ability to feel and express was buried under the grief. She had transitioned to the other side, leaving us behind, empty. Only our layers of pain and sorrow kept us warm, so we clung to them preferring to numb ourselves, you with your chosen vices and me with utter apathy. But repression is a delusion and subdued pain escapes in subconscious ways. We lived on the moon where only darkness exists for neither of us could be the sun. We flung shooting stars at each other, hoping we could catch them, but scolding our hearts instead, burning our skin to reveal raw flesh. I'm sorry I could not dress your wounds, I'm sorry I could not dress my own. I wasn't ready to confront the reality of you or the denial of me. It's a mystery how the cracks formed through the grey clouds, making way for piercing rays. I don't recall when I saw the light again. 
I don't recall how I found my way out. I don't know where the light came from or how it shone through for not only me, but for you. We seldom speak of having lived in the darkness for so long. The few times we did, I realized the pointlessness of it all. We had no shared recollections, only random pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. It was easier to forgive and dwell in the now, where the love between us thrives, where we choose to be each other's sun in moon-like times, where our bond is as strong as our center of gravity, where there is nothing left unsaid, we are no longer drowning but swimming endlessly around the earth's oceans, weaving and ducking between each other, playing tag and making bubbles underwater, where our heated words no longer scold our hearts, they melt them, and wild laughter follows at the sheer likeness of our fierceness. We are still living in space, but are neither fully the sun nor the moon. We alternate between them, never consumed by the mood of either one. When we are both suns, we do not envy one another's light. When one is the sun and one is the moon, the moon does not dim the sun's rays. The sun shines stronger to brighten the moon. When we are both moons, we look for the cracks and wait for the light. We have learned that in time, the light will come, that it will find its way through the cracks, and we will always be ready to shine. In our darkest days, sometimes the best we can be are reflections of another's light. So shine, so shine. Okay. <laughs> Again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I used to love it. It's really good. It's so true. Um, okay, well, I guess I'll ask one last question. Um, what do you think has been the most helpful for you in in dealing with grief? No, definitely. First and foremost, is getting over the guilt. That's probably the only time I was able to grieve properly because I think the, um, for so many years I felt guilt so I didn't allow myself to grieve or probably I didn't allow myself to even live life. Mm. So um, I think I felt guilt for many years not being there while mum was sick because I was in Sydney. Um, felt guilt, um, yeah, just not being there. So... Probably for many years I numbed my emotions. I didn't dance for about four or five years. Um, I didn't allow myself to enjoy any moments because mm. I felt guilty. But once um, I let go of the guilt, I started to enjoy life a bit more and I realised mum would not want me to feel the way I was feeling. Mm. So I had to let go of the guilt. That was probably the way I... probably the the only way that I moved forward is letting go of the guilt. But how 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 did you let go of the guilt? Well, I came to it to the conclusion that first of all, Mum would not want to see me weeping all the time. She um, also would want me to live life to the fullest and be happy. Mm. And also, I just realised that we can't really take back what has been done in the past. So dwelling on the past is not going to accomplish anything and it's not going to allow me to be a better person so I think I was dwelling in the past for too long and feeling guilty and then come to realization well I can't change it 
might as well accept it and then move on. So that was probably the realization where I need to move. I need to move forward. So I had to let go mm. of the guilt. Yeah, because I think guilt is a big one. People deal with you know. There's so many things like people ha- didn't get to say or they didn't have the courage to ask or you know. I think guilt is a big one after grief. Like oh, after definitely. Life. Well, even they say like forgiveness. If you don't forgive someone, you live in um you know, like anger and you can't move forward and mm. you can't release release yourself from those negative emotions. And I feel like guilt is similar to it. Like for you to be able to relieve yourself from such negative emotions such as guilt, you need to sort of let go of it. Mm. You need to sort of let go of all of the negative emotions for you to become a better person and to move on from the grief or from the um, yeah, pain. Pain. Absolutely. Yeah. So I just think that um, all these negative emotions aren't going to help you. Um, you can't dwell on it. Yes, it has happened or you have made mistakes in the past, but you can't change. Mm. You can't change them. All you can do is acknowledge it, accept it and move forward and become a better person and yeah. maybe not do the same mistakes that you did previously. Mm. Yeah, I think that's what I feel like if you you. You can't change mm. what you did, but you can change what you're going to do. In oh, the absolutely. You can learn, learn yeah. from it so you don't repeat it. Hmm. Yeah. Did, do you remember any um, last words that mom said? I remember her saying, like, enjoy your life. You know, that was one thing I remember from those last few weeks. Well, what I remember with me, what's probably the biggest thing that stands out is I was lying in bed with mum I had my head on her chest and she said to me Mary you need to stop carrying the world on your shoulders Mm. (laughs) yeah because I think she realized how sensitive I am yeah so that's one major thing I remember her telling me is you need to stop carrying the world on your shoulders Mm. and of course she kept telling us that she loves us and all but um and I remember one thing she said to me because um, I don't think it was it wasn't towards the end. She was in hospital, not palliative care, but she did say to me that she felt she was too young to pass away and she had unfinished business. Still, I took from that it's because you were so young and she hadn't seen you get married or really do much with your life yet. So I just felt like that's what she was more relating those comments to when she said I have unfinished business meaning you because you're so young so I definitely remember those words that she she said to me and a few funny comments which probably I can't say (laughs) (laughs) tell me uh, tell me after this (laughs) (laughs) thanks sister anytime I love it's lovely talking to you and is there anything else that you haven't said that you'd like to add i'm just i'm very proud of you (laughs) i think mum will be proud of what you're doing obviously and you're helping people with the experience that you've you've had with your mother so i think that um my mother (laughs) well you know our mother our mother so i just um think that yeah very proud of you and um mum will be proud of you too that's all and love you heaps as you always know (laughs) love you too If you got this far, I really appreciate it and I hope that this inspires some more conversations between you and the people in your life that 
you know, also experienced the same loss as you. I'd also love to hear what it was like listening to this episode, so please feel free to message me via the Grief Cocoon page on uh, Instagram or Facebook, um, or email me at Gabriella at thegriefcocoon.com. Uh, that's Gabriella with one L. 